Well, happy Mother's Day weekend. I'm not going to lie, this is really strange for me to be staring into a camera instead of your faces. I really miss seeing all of you. I know I don't get to talk to a lot of you on the weekend, but just even seeing your face and being together all in one, one place is powerful. And it's something I always look to. Probably this is one of the things that I miss more than anything else is just being able to be together and getting to worship together. And so, man, I just really look forward to the day that we that we get to do that um, collectively here in this space, but also really someday in heaven, we're going to get to do that. And that's going to be so amazing. And I look forward to that. But until then, we've got to make the most of what we have here. So that's what we've been trying to do at our house uh, with a few bumps in the road for sure, but definitely learning a lot of really interesting things about each other. And so I, I would say one of the weird things that I've learned, um, we finally caved and let the boys play Fortnite. And I have now learned that they are motivated to do just about anything by Fortnite. They have run lap after lap up and down our driveway, laps around the house to earn Fortnite time. They have uh, been motivated to get their schoolwork done, to stay focused and to have a good attitude about it. When they do that, they get Fortnite time. I haven't folded towels in probably two months. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. They fold the towels. They even have them facing all the same direction because they know I like it that way. They've been emptying the dishwasher. They've, I showed them finally how to clean the toilet for obvious reasons because they're the ones that make them the grossest. And we have Clorox wipes that I've learned they use almost a whole canister of Clorox wipes though. So those are golden. We're just going to try to keep our toilets clean, maybe limit on the Clorox wipes. But all that to say, they're super motivated to do a lot of great things if I allow them to play Fortnite. Also, if they have attitude problems towards us or they're fighting with each other or talking back or being disobedient, we take away Fortnite. It works really great. Um, I've also learned that with my phone, my camera on my computer doesn't work. So if I have to make any Zoom calls or um, I have like our, our life group has done a couple of group calls through Facebook Messenger. So I, I know the angle to hold it, the best angle is like up here. But if I am like really intently listening and my arm starts to drop because it's kind of tired, I... I catch a glimpse of my face. I'm like, whoa, the double chin and the scowl are going strong. So I've learned to just find a place to prop my elbow, to hold to hold the phone. I mean, really important things like that are, are some things I'm learning. Um, yeah, and by the way, the, the extra pounds you might notice on me, it's, it's not that the camera adds 10 pounds. It's actually the donuts and the ice cream because I really believe strongly in supporting small businesses. So I've been happy to do that for... Red Barn, Sweet Seasons, Sprinkles Donuts, you know, those kind of places. So I've also learned, I've learned how to cook. Okay, I'm 45. It's a long time coming. I think my family has enjoyed it. But Tay and I have had a great time in the kitchen uh, mastering roasted vegetables. We've made homemade tortillas, homemade pretzels, fried ice cream, all kinds of really fun stuff, which might also be part of the problem. But We've really enjoyed doing that. Uh, Tay's been busy doing things like playing her violin, uh, going for runs, and that sort of thing. We redid her room. That was really fun. Uh, Kami and Allie have been busy finishing up 
their freshman and junior year of nursing school. Now I can say I've homeschooled two college age kids and that makes me feel really smart. I didn't do anything, but it kind of sounds smart. Uh, the boys have been super busy outside just playing all kinds of imaginary uh, battling. Our neighbor, Wesley, made the boys wooden spears and um, knives and that sort of thing. So they've had all kinds of fun pretending they're hunting and, and whatever. They, they found a They've they found snakes and little turtles and frogs and stuff like that, but they found this little nest of mice. And Allie was showing that to me, and man, was my gag reflex kicking in. And all she was showing me was a picture of it. I didn't even want to see it. It it really kind of grossed me out. I don't mind the animated Mickey, I mean, mouse, Mickey Mouse. That's the one that I, I like is the animated one. I do not, I don't like these little baby things. That really grosses me out. So they've been busy doing that. The girls have been busy doing their thing. Jason's been busy trying to become TikTok famous. He thinks that because he can rap, or he thinks he can rap because he has like a flat bill hat and a, this great big gaudy gold chain, vintage Adidas jacket and, and that sort of thing. My kids are encouraging this. It's, I didn't know he was like this when I married him. So I'm, I'm kind of learning new things about him as well. I, I saw on Facebook, and, and I'm sure it's true since it was on Facebook, that every time a pastor does a TikTok, an angel loses its wings. I, I'm pretty sure that applies to youth pastors doing Taylor Swift impersonations, Shay, maybe. So, you know, that's something that, that we're a little concerned about. We're trying to pull back on, but I honestly have no control. The more I discourage it, the more it happens. So I'm just going to choose to support it at this point, I think. So our family has had some really great moments. We've been going on walks. We've had movie nights, game nights. It's been great. We did have this really massive fight, and it was so ugly, where Jason basically wanted me to cut his hair. And so I said, sure, I'll, I'll well, okay. To be honest, I didn't say, sure, I'll cut your hair. I was resistant. I didn't really want to, and then just... I did do it, but one thing led to another. It got ugly. We may as well have just opened the door and said, come on in, Satan, get comfy. Here's a bowl of popcorn. You can watch us duke it out. And pretty sure we were all crying by the end of the night. But give us a couple of days. We worked through it all. We're all good now. But I'm not naive enough to think that that is not happening in other homes. I know that that is. I know that there's just a lot of tension because this is just a time that we're not used to. We're all adjusting whether it's financial adjustments, relational things, um, you're bored even. You don't know what to do or you have a ton of stuff to do, but you're not motivated to do it. But I will tell you, one of my greatest challenges has been having to be alone with my thoughts and learning things about myself that, that I don't like. I mean, when, when life was super busy, it was easy to be distracted from those things. But now that it's not as busy, it's easy. It's not, I mean, like we can't just run away. We can't just run from these things. Before I start mapping out what I'm going to do first, when I break out into society and we're allowed to go do normal things, I want to know that I'm emerging as the healthiest version of myself. I mean, don't you? When life goes back to normal, what do you want your normal to look like? What we knew normal to be might not be what we should have our normal become again. It, you might want your normal to become new. 
Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Isn't that what we've done to make things so crazy in our lives? But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. My word for this year uh, that I picked back in January was uh, self-love. I know that sounds kind of weird. I don't. I didn't like it, so I was looking up different synonyms, and um, the synonyms I found were things like arrogant, conceited, pride, pretentious, egotistical, and that's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm referring to the lack of respect in love that I have had for myself that has just worn me down. The thoughts and the things that I have said out loud to myself are things I would never say to anybody let alone to somebody I love. And if I heard somebody say some of these things to somebody I love, I might have to take those words and cram them down your throat. Like that kind of stuff. If I can't love myself and give grace to myself, I can't fully live out my purpose that God has for me. I've had these expectations on appearance, intelligence, giftings, personality that are just really unfair. And again, things that I would not have on the people that I love. So I started making this list of some of the thoughts that are constantly going in my head. And as I was doing that, I thought, you know, I'm going to just text a group of friends. Just ask them, what are the things that have been going through your head, like the negative thoughts to see if we were kind of in the same space. And I could not believe, well, I actually could believe it, but just because I, I know that we, we are not alone in this, but somebody would say something and then other people would be like, oh my goodness, yes, that too. And oh, I get that. And so I made this long list and I'm going to share it with you of some of these thoughts, see if you can identify with some of them. And just to be clear, this is not just for moms or women. This is for men as well. I know that it's not just women that have battles in their minds. So these are some of the thoughts that we came up with. You're so stupid. You're boring. You have nothing to offer. You're not a good parent. So many people have talents and you have none. Someone else should be doing your job. You're not pretty enough. Your spouse wishes you were more, but would never admit it because they don't want to make you feel bad. People think you're not a good mom because you work. They only like you because they need you. You're too much. You're too serious. It's your fault your kids struggle with anxiety. They'll need therapy because of you. You're too intense, so become a smaller presence so people will want to be around you. You need to do more for people to like you. You aren't enough. People don't like you as much as you think. Your sin is messing up your kids, and it's your fault. Other people could fix that about themselves. You're failing at raising your kids. You're a disappointment. God is disappointed in you. No one believes you can do it. People are nice to you, but really think you're weird. You talk too much and say dumb things. People think you're fake and that you think you're better than they are. Why would they want to be friends with you? You're too young. You're too old. Don't talk. You don't make sense. No one gets you. People think you're stuck up. They only invited you because dot, dot, dot. You must be annoying. You aren't anyone's first choice. Just take the blame. If you try to talk it out, you'll make things worse. If people really knew what you battled, they would not respect you. Bringing your sin into the light will make you unusable. Your kids resent you. Is your motive really what you think it is? You're not relevant. And one of the last thoughts that 
so one of the friends sent a list of the, the thoughts that she struggles with. And one of the last ones she said is, and my last thought was what I just shared about what I worry about good enough. All of these patterns of thinking then lead into our relationships and make us suspicious of people's motives. They cause us to obsess about why we weren't invited to stuff, secretly being happy when something bad happens to someone who's hurt us, stewing over something that was done to us, reliving conversations over and over. I should have said this. Questioning yourself every time you walk away from those conversations, apologizing for something, and then still the guilt consuming you. Just a constant internal begging for affirmation and validation. These are all thoughts that attack the roles of, that God has given us, whether it's parent, spouse, friend, employee, like all, all the different roles that we play, all these kind of thoughts just attack those and make us not be able to fulfill those roles the way that God intended. One of the friends in this text thread said, my anxiety is based on fear. That's based on things I've just made up in my head. When we allow these thoughts to take over, then it just takes us into a nosedive of insecurity. And when we live in insecurity, that just becomes so miserable. One of my favorite uh, authors, Lisa Turkhurst, said this in her book, Embraced. It's a devotional. And she says, brain research shows that every conscious thought we have is recorded on our internal hard drive known as the cerebral cortex. Each thought scratches the surface, much like an Etch-a-Sketch. Some of your kids are like, what's an Etch-a-Sketch? You can Google it later. <laughs> when we have the same thought again, the line of the original thought is deepened, causing what's called a memory trace. With each repetition, the trace goes deeper and deeper, forming and embedding a pattern of thought. When an emotion is tied to this thought pattern, the memory trace grows exponentially stronger. We can't develop new responses until we develop new thoughts, allowing the power of Christ's truth to change them. So we need to take that internal etch-a-sketch and, and shake it up so that we can start fresh. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That list that I just gave you is so long. So whatever thought that you connect with there, take that all of those thoughts and we, we give them to Christ and make them obedient to him. And we say, is this true? And ask God, is this true? What do you see? What do you think of this? And when we do that, we, we're, the best place that we're going to be able to find truth is in God's word. Psalm 139, 24 says, point out anything in me that offends you. It offends him when we hate ourselves, when we talk down to ourselves. It offends him when we don't receive his love and we don't receive his grace, it offends him just as much as it offends him when we gossip, cheat, steal, binge, lie, lust, abuse. It offends him just as much when we don't love ourselves or see ourselves the way that he does. I fully believe that insecurities and secrets and blind spots to our own faults are the most destructive tools that the enemy can use to take us down. Secrets erode our conscience. Insecurities consume, crowd, and monopolize our thoughts and our actions. Blind spots dilute our influence and testimony. So my prayer has been, since I picked this word at the beginning of the year, is just, God, expose me. 
and that that sounds kind of dirty and gross, but I just I am I'm so tired of living behind these thoughts and I just want God to expose me. If I if I have any secret, show it to me, God. If I where my insecurities are, bring them to the sur- surface. If I have blind spots, show me what those are. And as I've asked God to expose those things to me, I just have felt him say to me over and over, I don't like how you talk to yourself. And then you believe that self-talk over me. So I, he wants me to be loved, be his beloved, and receive his, his love. And when I'm believing the things that are in my head, then I'm not able to receive his love. And so I thought, okay, well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. That's when I think of love, that's in love in the Bible. That's what I think of. I've really been enjoying the Passion Translation. So this is out of the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. And especially when it comes to our thought patterns, I, at the very beginning of that, love is incredibly patient. Can I, can I laugh at myself when, when I don't get it right? Can I just give myself grace? It's gentle. So when I mess up or overreact, is, is that grace something that I can receive? I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago with the Oscars that La La Land was awarded Best Picture but it wasn't supposed to be La La Land. It was supposed to be Moonlight. And John Acuff said, next time you mess something up, remember that the Oscars had a year and a $10 million budget to get it right, and they still messed it up. We have this idea of perfection that's just unrealistic and definitely don't have a $10 million budget to get it just right. So um, love is consistently kind. I love this song that um, Andrew Peterson wrote for his daughter. And here's some of it. You've got all that emotion that's heaving like an ocean and you're drowning in a deep, dark well. I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice, you would rather be anyone else. I love you just the way you are. I love the way he made your precious heart. Be kind to yourself. I know it's hard to hear it when the anger in your spirit is pointed like an arrow at your chest when the voices in your mind are anything but kind and you can't believe your, fa- your father knows best. Well, how does it end when the war that you're in is just you against you against you? You can't expect to be perfect. It's a fight you've got to forfeit. You belong to me, whatever you do. So lay down your weapon, take a deep breath and believe that I love you. One thing that I have really enjoyed is seeing everybody's uh, projects that they're doing over this quarantine time. I love before and after pictures. So I've seen uh, like the Burtons, they painted their kitchen cabinets and Andy and Ryan, they, they did, they, they retiled their bathroom. They've done something really cool around their fireplace and just some fun things like that. I saw the Bells did some landscaping. Um, we did Taylor's room. 
I, but what I really love is when people take the before picture and show the after picture. So I was um, in a text thread with a couple of friends and Cassie and Jason were, they ripped out their bathroom and she t sent us a picture of this really old piece of furniture. It's like an old buffet. And she said, you know, I'm trying to decide if I, I want to use this as the bathroom vanity, but I'm trying to decide, do I want to paint it? Or what do you guys think I should do? Well, Kristen uh, Brewer was in that text thread and she's super creative with this kind of thing. And it was like, well, what if you took, got this kind of a sink? That would be really cool. And was sending pictures and and then she sent us some pictures of the house that she and Josh uh, flipped a while back. And the before pictures, as opposed to what they did to it, are remarkable. So the before picture of the kitchen, it looks dirty and gross and I would never eat in it. And then the after picture is just beautiful and clean and I want that kitchen, you know, or the, the living room. Again, it's like, like smoke up the walls or something. It's just cluttered and looks really uninviting. And then they redid it and it's gorgeous. My, um, my mom was a, an, 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 my mom was an interior decorator. And um, the name of her business was KRC Interior Transformations. KRC are her initials. And the reason that she chose the name for her company was because not it wasn't it wasn't just about the redecorating. It was about people's lives and. She was so uninterested in going into somebody's home and decluttering and simplifying it if she couldn't go in and connect with them heart to heart. I got to do a couple of jobs with her and go to a couple of even furniture places that she worked with regularly. And every single time, every time she shared about just how God has transformed her life from the inside out. And that was just, that was her primary goal is every time she got to go into somebody's house to declutter and simplify it, to make it become inviting. She wanted to be able to share that their life could be that as well. In fact, at her, um, at her visitation in New Jersey, there were, several people that came through, the lady that did her custom blinds and drapes for her, the guy who did the custom windows, um, a couple of her clients, the, the guy who did the painting for her, all of them came through and, and through tears even, like kind of connections she made with them, shared about how she shared not only her talents, but her life. And because of that drew them either into a relationship with the Lord or at least curious about that. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. God is drawn to those of us who have a heart of humility. So when we can bring these thoughts to him, he's drawn to us. We know he's omnipresent and he's everywhere, but to know that he's even drawn closer to us in our brokenness 
is really amazing to me because I can honestly say when I think of something like like these pictures of like that Josh and Kristen did with with the house they flipped like the the first picture before they renovated it it's just so uninviting and I don't want to go in there I don't want to eat in there but as soon as you have permission to come in and they're given permission to come in and fix it up and clean it up then they want to be they are drawn in and then especially when they're given ownership then they then they really want to fix it up and that's exactly what God is doing in our lives when we say I want to bring these things I want to bring these things to you and these thoughts to you and make them captive to you and I want to give you the keys to be the owner of my life then he's drawn even closer to us and wants to come in and renovate and fix and declutter and simplify our lives so that then we become more inviting to those around us and we draw people. So when we come to him and we say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for letting these, these thoughts and these things consume me and I become my identity instead of being grateful for who you have made me and how you've created me to be. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, in everything, give thanks. Why should we give thanks? Because when we have a thankful spirit, then it's just much harder to be negative and it changes our perspective. We cannot let our feelings boss us around. Our feelings are valid, but they can get really bossy. And when our feelings come in and try to get really bossy, what we need to do is boss them back with our list of things that we have to be thankful for, declaring war on the thoughts that lead to these bad feelings. So not only did I pick a word for myself for the year, but I picked one for each one of my family members. I picked one for... Um, Jason and the kids, and and then I went beyond that and picked one for my dad and for my brother and his wife and for my sister. And the I also picked a verse to go with each one of the words. And so for my dad, um, the the verse that I picked, I just feel like is so relevant to what I'm sharing with you. And I also feel like the words are so good to what I'm sharing with you. Um, and and the words that I picked for him for obvious reasons are. Renew, refresh, <clears throat> and, and restore. Psalm 43 says, A new song for a new day rises up in me. Every time I think about how he breaks through for me, ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. And isn't that just like God to give us this time that we have right now and, and gift it to us so that he can come into our lives and declutter and simplify to renew, refresh, and restore and give us a new song so that when we do come out of quarantine, people can look at us and be like, whoa, they, they have changed. Something's different there. People will see our transformed lives, like this verse says, and they will stand in awe of God and fall in love with him because of what he's done in us. Um, I've, every, every time I share, I feel like there's a song I, I share with you guys, and, and a lot of that is just because music is like a prayer language to me. I feel like um, sometimes I just can't find the words, and and 
this song, just I, like, I really love the words and I just feel like it's such a good prayer and it's one that I've included with the verses. I pray for my dad, but it's just one that's so good for all of us right now, uh, Rebuilder. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard this already, but it says, through the rubble and the wreckage, I'd forgotten who I was. You reached for my hand and found me in the dust. My soul had given up, but you wouldn't leave me undone. I have seen the dawn start to break between the cracks, the beginnings of a new day I never thought would come to pass. You brought me back to life. You are the morning in my life. Rebuilder. My walls are crumbling. Restorer. You brought the light into the room and filled my lungs so I could learn to breathe again. My shelter. My warmth in the coldest night. My shelter. You held me up till I could stand in the promise that you are rebuilding me. To the man I am today, with all my fear and shame, you rescued my heart and showed me that joy can come through pain. You brought dancing to these streets, my second chance for peace. It's not too late. We still have a couple of days left, maybe months. I don't even know, but I just know the 15th is supposed to be a new day. But that may be extended. And we have until then, at the very least, to allow God to come in and expose the secrets, the insecurities, the lies, and those blind spots and heal them and make them new. I knew that I couldn't just come and, and share these things with you and say, you know, you need to now go love yourself well so that you can become healthy enough to love others. And I, I couldn't stand here and say to do that without practicing that myself. There are so many times that I've heard a message and been like, that was really good for me to hear. That was a good reminder. And then not, not kidding you, hours later, I've either already forgotten what it was or I haven't done anything because this spiritual journey is really hard. And it a lot of times is three steps forward, two steps back. But it's one that we have to continue to pursue after. And change is hard. It takes a very conscious, disciplined effort. And so what I decided I was going to try to do is just become much more aware of just my thoughts. And so when I would hear, hear a thought or say something to myself, just stop and take it captive and offer it to God and say, what do you think about this? Is this true? Because there are some thoughts that might not be great, but they are true. And, and just have him speak into that. Um, one thought that I, I really struggle with is you're stupid. And the other day, it just, it kept coming. It kept coming and coming. And so I finally was like, God, I just, okay, here's, here's this thought. Tell me what you think about that. I keep hearing you're stupid. Tell me what you think about that. And um, I think some of it was because, like, so we were wallpapering Taylor's wall and the first two sheets of it go up and I'm like, there's bubbles everywhere. Like, why can't I get these bubbles out? Like, it's not that hard. And I just keep hearing, you're so stupid. It's not that hard. And, and I just, I, I took a break and I asked God to speak into that. And I just, I just felt like he was like, yeah, but you're creative. I love watching you do this with Taylor. I love watching you pull this together. I love that Allie came in and because she's a little OCD, she can help us get some of these bubbles out and you all are working together. And I, I love that you're being creative. You're creative. I love watching you put a room together. And then I had a couple of chances to write since then too. And I just, I just felt God's heart over me just saying, I, I love when you write. 
not because I'm an amazing writer, but he just, he loves to see me pour my heart out. Another thing I hear in my head a lot is you're annoying. And, and I felt him just say to me, as I commit that thought to you is you're pursuing me. And sometimes that might annoy other people, but it does not annoy me. Zephaniah 317 says that he delights in me. And when I start listening to that scripture and, and I have a choice in that moment, am I going to believe it or am I going to believe this thought over here? Another thought, all he is going to do is remember you getting after him. I'm referring to Caleb. All he's going to do is remember you getting after him because I just feel like there are some days that it's like all I'm doing is getting after him. But then I, I read through Proverbs and I commit this this thought to God, and he and I see all over in Proverbs that when we don't correct our children, we may as well just take them down a path of destruction. And it is much easier to just let it go and let it go and let it go. But I just felt like God saying to me, stay the course, stay consistent. Sometimes it's harder on you than it is on them to follow through with the consequence, but stay consistent. Don't be intimidated by an attitude. He needs security. Consistency breeds security. And there should be no guilt in correction. Um, life was meant to be as fast-paced. Life was not meant to be as fast-paced as our culture makes it. We just, we go, go, go. And I feel like this time is a blessing from God. I know it's so frustrating, but I feel like it's a blessing that God has given us. And when we slow down, we can grow and become new. Some of those thoughts are shared with you. There's just a few of them. But I just want to encourage you to please just take time to think through and write out what are some of these thoughts. And if you don't have time to, to write it out, like as a thought comes to your mind and you know it's not a good thought, just commit it to God and ask him. And then when you get a chance, like write down what you hear from him. It might be later on in the day that you hear from him. But I do know, and I know this from experience, that when I ask God for encouragement, he gives it to me. When I ask God to show me something, I feel like he makes it very clear. And there are times that I've asked God to show me something. And when he makes it clear, I don't like what I see because it's affirming that my attitude is wrong. And so when, but when we are constantly asking God to please just take our thoughts and I want to make them captive to you because I want to have peace. I want to be free. And when you are free and you are decluttered and you are simplified, then, it become, then you become inviting to others. And people are drawn to you. And, and God is more drawn to our hearts. Um, I was on a group call with some friends. And at the end of it, Tara was like, do you, do you guys mind if I just end and pray Psalm 23 over you? And I thought that was a really neat idea and um, even went and read through it again after we were done in a couple different translations. And that was just really good for my heart. And I came across Psalm 46 and I thought that would be just a really neat way for us to end this. Um, and I, I thought it was kind of funny because at, in the heading of it, it says a poetic song to the melody of hidden things. And now I don't know what the melody of hidden things are, but we're talking about hidden things, these thoughts. And we're also kind of in a hidden time where we're having to be isolated and um, alone with these thoughts. So I thought, well, this might be a good way for us to uh, close, close this time out.
God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available when I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away, we will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Pause in his presence. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. At daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. When the nations are in uproar with the tottering kingdoms, God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to disintegrate before him. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Pause in his presence. Everyone look. Come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God, for he brings both ruin and revival. He's the one who makes conflicts end throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations, and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands, the commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Pause in his presence. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>